0: And welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring, or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work, and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand... What triggers stress and anxiety within our industry? Why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am, however, interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being, and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades. Whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to series two of Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. Over the last few weeks, I've been recording interviews, arranging interviews, and making more plans. So I'm really excited to be at a point where I can actually start releasing them again. Before we get started with today, I would like to take this opportunity to personally thank all of you listeners who nominated Wellbeing for Dog Room as the podcast for the Liz Paul Awards. I'm so thankful and it really does mean a lot. So thank you. But back to the interview. To kickstart the new series I wanted someone who I knew was easy to talk to, someone who understands the industry and someone who always puts a smile on my face whenever I see them. So this week I'm talking to Stuart Simons about all sorts I wanted to ask him about his acting, about both of his salons, about how he takes his time off and about how we feel that when you have things going on in your brain and in your mind that sometimes it can affect your body as well. Within the dog grooming industry alone, Stuart has his full City and Guild Level 3 and the qualification for Creative Groomers for which he received a Masters. Stuart has set up and run the Groomer Spotlight along with Julie Harris he has two grooming salons, he emcees at many of the grooming competitions, he has competed himself and Stuart has also appeared publicly on shows such as Jonathan Ross, GMTV, the Channel 5 News, Lorraine and the Alan Titchmarsh Show to help change the way that the general public see us dog groomers and to raise the professional appearance of our industry. So, I won't contain my excitement any longer. Here is Stuart Simons and myself doing the first interview of the new series. Let's go! <coughs> Hi Stuart, and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, thank you Carlo. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for asking me on.
0: Oh, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, so, can we start with you just introducing yourself and just tell us a bit about your current role in the industry and a bit about the types of grooming salons that you own?
1: Yes, well I'm Stuart Simons and I've been grooming for just under, well probably about 15 years I think. I've got a salon in London which I've had uh since I started grooming and then I start, I opened a salon with Julie Harris in St Leonard's in 2017 I think that was and of course I've got the Groomer Spotlight um my where I am in the industry I'm 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 a bit like Marmite you either love me or you hate me that's basically Aww. me Carla. I know
0: <laughs> Oh dear well I love you so you're absolutely well, fine I you
1: here too. I started for a little while to be the, the grooming director for the Pet Industry Federation Uh, and that's sort of how I sort of got on the map and then obviously the spotlight came about so yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're just busy and up to everything basically. Up
1: to everything, always into everything Carla.
0: I wanted to talk to you today because you also um, have your hand in the performing arts as well so could you tell us a bit about how you got into the performing arts?
1: Yeah so well I went to dance classes when I was about four because my sister did and I think that my mum and dad were just like... Let's just take them both together because it's easier. Yeah. And I really loved it. And then um I left it for a while because something really embarrassing happened. I was rehearsing as a child to be to be a dancer in a panto and I had to pick this girl up. And as I in rehearsals, as I picked her up, I smacked her bum and the whole, <laughs> the whole room started laughing at me. And I was so embarrassed that I could oh. never get back to it. It was mortifying. <laughs> and then a few years later, I started Amdram. Um and it just led on and led on and I you know how it is you just keep going yeah. don't you and so but as an actor and having gone through college and knowing how hard the industry is you do need something else that's going to bolster you and I worked front of house in theatres for a while I worked well, at yeah. offices in Le- Leicester Square for ages and nothing really took my fancy like dogs I've always loved dogs mm-hmm. so I just thought it would be quite a nice thing to do in between acting jobs.
0: Yeah definitely. That's
1: kind of how it works. So I still I still act, I've still got an agent, I still class myself very much as an actor but I'm also a dog groomer too. So I've got the groomer spotlight, two grooming salons and a business as an actor because that's what I do. Those are my four businesses.
0: Wow you've just got so much on. I don't know how you manage it. <laughs> the
1: good thing is though is that they do say don't they that, that if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. And I that's love dogs as much as I love acting. I love both of those sides of my life. I don't really like managing people that, as much as that. And unfortunately, that comes with owning businesses. So, you know, I like to be liked. And I think management and being everyone's friend don't really go hand in hand. I know uh, that, I think sure that's, where I, that's definitely where I, I where I'd stumble a little bit. But, you know, it's all a challenge.
0: And what about the sort of the grooming salons that you that you have? What sorts of salons are they? Are they in towns? Or?
1: Yeah, so the one in London is it's just near Liverpool Street Station. Wow, Um, yeah, really busy. Yeah, it's classed as Bethnal Green. Or it's right on the line of Hackney and Hoxton.
0: Right,
1: okay. So it's right there in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, but when we took it on, it was a Crappy area, and suddenly the region reju- rejuvenation of London, especially East London, has just gone crazy since the Olympics and stuff. So now it's really sought after area and really well known. The salon as well. It's quite. I went to America a few years ago, and there was a salon on Ninth Avenue. It's always really busy, and I basically built it with that in mind. That's how I imagined it. It's very urban. It's kind of cool. It's not yeah. really bubbles and fluff everywhere. It's it's more graffiti than bubbles.
0: Brilliant! That sounds fabulous. And so, how do you keep up with being so busy? How yeah. do you juggle it all?
1: It's really—I find it really hard. First of all, I'm terrible at relaxing. I, I'm awful at it. My husband will tell you. Everyone that knows me will tell you. I can
0: imagine that actually.
1: <laughs> if I sit down, I'm like, oh, "What can I do next?" I'm like looking around. Even yeah. if I've got the TV on and watching the film, I've got my phone on, looking at things, dogs, or you know, something on Facebook, or so social media takes my eye. I never stop and actually it's the worst thing so if I get really stressed out or if something blows up on social media or if if something goes wrong with one of the salons or if anything can ha- or I don't get an audition mm-hmm. I like to I try and meditate a little bit and I, wow, really, okay. yeah I really love headspace and it really helps actually because as I've got older putting these two like businesses together learning lines mm-hmm. Is really, really hard. My mental capacity is definitely halved.
0: I've got the worst memory. And that's why I think actually, because when I used to do a lot of um, dancing, because prior to being a groomer, I was a dance teacher, and I used to go to sort of performing arts college, I did singing, dancing, acting. And I found acting the absolute hardest purely because my memory is dreadful and lies. So I just, it was just an absolute nightmare so i have a lot
1: of respect same for you with, in that. i suppose you know. it's the same with dancing as well We're trying to learn routines and stuff it used to just seep into my head mm-hmm. and now i really have to really concentrate to get it in but i do find that if i if i meditate regularly for 10 minutes okay just i just put headspace on put my earphones in close my my eyes to the world just for ten yeah. minutes and do what they tell me to do on Headspace, which is yeah, that's right.
0: an app, isn't it? That you can get. Yeah,
1: it's fabulous. Yeah. i Honestly, I can't tell are you.
0: They, are they guided meditations?
1: They're completely guided, and I think it costs about sixty quid for the year to be a member. Mm-hmm. You can choose a different speaker; they've all got different soothing voices. But it really makes a difference. It's so bizarre because you just think, "Oh, it's never going to work." It's led by old codswallop, but actually. Yeah. The reality is it really does work and it calms me down. And if I'm just before I go on to do a show, I always, always do 10 minutes just to yeah. calm myself down and put myself into a better headspace than, oh my God, I've got to go on, I've got to go on. Do you know what I mean? You get yeah. that anxious thing.
0: Yeah, so it's really useful for you as well, actually. It's
1: really, It's a really handy tip. And and other ways, you know, I, tr- I do try and go on holiday. I've got a little flat in Spain. Lovely. And when it gets too much... I just go right I'm going to go three days three or four days just on my own and I sit in my flat and turn everything off
0: that sounds brilliant and I, I'm one of those actually if I get to the point where everything's a bit much I don't tend to relax as well at home as I do if I just go somewhere my my little escape place is the Isle of Wight I absolutely love oh. it over there Um, probably two or three times a year I'll just appear over there for about three days and it's just as you cross that piece of water and approach the island you see the monastery ahead of you and when I see that and I'm you know heading towards it on the front at the ferry because I like to have a look over you know over the top and out at the water. It's all very pleasant. I see the monastery and I'm just like, oh I'm relaxed. Yeah. It's just that you
1: exhale, don't you? There's definitely yeah. a feeling of relaxation. I get exactly the same feeling in Spain. I used you just to just weirdly enough. Mountain, before,
0: don't
1: you? before I moved down to Sussex, I used to get it when I came home to Sussex as well. Just getting out of the city.
0: Yes, I can Way
1: imagine. Different.
0: Yeah, With your performing arts, like how do you feel like that has um, benefited you in your grooming? Is there any sort of skills that you've learned that you can sort of transfer across?
1: Oh, yeah. There's like, well, it's creative industry. So it, one creative industry to another, even though one's hair, you know, cutting hair and the other one's putting something on the stage, you still want it to be the best that it can be. And mm-hmm. so I'm always saying to everyone that Julie will tell you, I'm always saying to people, I expect a round of applause at the end of a really good groom. Like if I <laughs> yeah. finish, Why aren't they, why aren't they applauding me? You know, for me, it's, it's really good when you get a, a great finish on a dog yeah. that looked terrible in the first place. And it's the same when you do a show, it's that whole, um, you know, thank you very much. Round of applause, big, deep bow. And if one goes off, it's brilliant. Um, and also confidence wise, I can become a character. So I, you know, in London, the salon in London is very different different to the salon in Sussex, um, because it's a very it used to be a very poor area in London. Mm-hmm. And now it's quite an affluent area in London. So one minute you might have the typical East Enders, and then the next minute you've got the director of Clarins coming in, or you've got their nanny coming in, or someone you know a tv star coming in could
0: be anyone then
1: it could be anyone so you've got to change i mean you don't have to change the way that you treat them because obviously everyone should be treated with the same respect and politeness etc but you do have to be a little bit of a chameleon and be able to change your skin to suit what they want you to be
0: i find that i I do that all the time with customers it wasn't even just in the grooming salon i used to do when i was waitressing as well you just learn i think with the general public if you've got that that way about you to be able to alter how you act with different generations, different types you know, of characters that are coming in. You know, yeah. if you really can just put on that different character with the different people.
1: You know, we, we always say, oh, you know, you've got to watch for body language for dogs and their attitudes and different breeds change. But I think it's just as important with humans. If someone gives you a bit of a, you know, if they're obviously shy or they're a little bit aloof, you change your character to match them, to make them feel the best that they can feel. And that's the secret of it, I think, is is being able to sort of change your delivery or what you want to say to them that, that isn't the best way for them. You've got to be able to read people quite quickly to be in customer service, I think.
0: Definitely and be adaptable. That's, that's a really good point, actually. And do you feel like I know that you go to the gym a lot, you know, as well as all your jobs. Do you find yeah. that that helps you in the salon as well? Do you feel like um, that benefits yes. you?
1: Well, Julie used to say to me, because I used to start working at 11 when I was working down at Tails, because I would go to the gym beforehand. Mm-hmm. And she'd say to me, I love it when you go to the gym, because you definitely come in, in a different mood than you than if you miss it. And it's just those endorphins, isn't it? I don't really gym as much as I used to now. I go swimming more now. So I, I go and do the amount of lengths that I need to do. And then I come back because I just think as you get older, it's just a bit easier to be able to do that whole cardiovascular thing rather than, you know, lifting weights, which never, ever worked for me anyway.
0: Well, I just think swimming is excellent. I could swim all day, not fast. I'm not, nothing yeah. fancy or anything, but no. it's all it's an all round exercise. It builds Absolutely. your strength and it supports your joints as well because i'm one who um put me in a dance studio and i could be in there i remember doing eight nine hour days back at dance college or you know at one point i was teaching 27 dance classes a week you know that was outside of school during school curriculum time weekends we was working towards shows having extra rehearsals i could do that all day every day no problem you try and make me run
1: (laughs) Well, I did go I'm, like, I'm like
0: Phoebe from Friends. Yeah. Like, arms everywhere, legs everywhere, don't get anywhere fast. You know what I mean? All the things are moving in the wrong directions.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I used to love running. But again, it never really fulfilled me. Like swimming, I can achieve something. And it's really good to bring your cholesterol down. And I've got high cholesterol. So that's why basically I do it.
0: Do you work on your lines as you're doing your laps as well? Do
1: you know what? No, I don't but it's probably a good idea to, because you do go into a meditative, a meditative. Yeah. When you're I swimming. start repeating. Yeah. If I'm driving, I definitely do my lines because um, it's brilliant because, you know, sometimes they say, you know, you can drive from one place to another and you've, when you've got there, you suddenly think back to the journey. And you're, you're like, I
0: can't remember
1: it. I don't remember doing that. Yeah. I've when done did you that. Yeah. The reason that that happens is because you're meditating. It's because you're so in the zone you're in a meditative, you, so your mind will pick up anything that happens externally. It's brilliant for learning lines.
0: Do you know what? Because I can actually be a bit of a worrier sometimes, as people have probably gathered by now in the podcast. Um, but sometimes with that, you know, when you're driving somewhere and you don't remember what you've done, sometimes I'll hit where I live in the back end of nowhere. We have potholes everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, village, town, main roads, you name it, we've gotten there. And sometimes I've hit a, pot, a pothole. And then in my head, I can't let go of the fact that I can't remember if I've run someone over or not. Oh, so my get God. Look, I know. And it's awful. And I think you've got to go back. You've got to go back. Have you hit someone yet? And I think surely I would know if I had hit someone with my car, but I always go back and it's always the same Yo, damn problem. that's
1: OCD. That's OCD. I've written an article. That. I wrote an article about a thing called Pure OCD. You should go and read it. It's on my website.
0: Okay, I will. Really no, good. I'm interested. I'm actually yeah. looking into... um. I'm actually listening to a podcast at the moment, and the girl who is um, presenting it, she's she's struggled with OCD, and it's absolutely brilliant. And I have to say, some things I have sort of thought, oh, that reminds me of when I do that a bit sometimes. Or yeah. I'm a real checker before I leave. I check, 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 check everything. But yeah. I mean, I am also not the tidiest person either I mean I'm, I'm one of these persons I'm zipping here put this down walk off zip there p- pick it up put it down walk off It's so um, like a
1: little trail of colours.
0: exactly yeah everything's clean it's just there's stuff everywhere where I forget that it's there <laughs> and I've moved on to doing something else which is very ADHD apparently so it, it's all making sense but yeah OCD is another one that I definitely I'd like to get someone on the podcast to talk about OCD yeah. I think that'd be very interesting actually yeah so the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was us growing we do suffer a lot of aches and pains you know we strain we reach we're leaning over we're picking dogs up all day so it's hardly surprising but sometimes i do wonder if these aches and pains are down to more sort of the stresses that we carry and the and the worries that we have and the things that are going on in our lives now while i was researching you because i research all of my guests and um, i always recommend verity's podcast pod on the dog it's yeah. a brilliant podcast and i remember you spoke with her on one of the episodes and you spoke about um you spoke about basically something that physically happened to you after you lost a dog when you was younger. Would you mind speaking about that a bit? Because I no, found it really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah if you're comfortable.
1: Yeah, of course. I think I'm just one. Well, I'm a bit like you. Is that I overthink, and I, it's just something that's in me as a spirit thing. It's just me. So when you're like that, I think it's from birth. I don't think it's something that you choose. And I had a dog called Hoagie, who was a greyhound and Alsatian mix. We used to have a chain-linked fence because the house that we lived in was quite a new house and they came with these chain-linked fences, that house.
0: Yeah, I know exactly I, the ones you mean.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, there was a hole at one end of it and then Hoagie was a big dog. So we were in the garden and Hoagie jumped the fence and I went through the hole after him. There was a woman up the road, I think her name was Mrs Harvey, which is weird because... That's my mum's maiden name. But I've I've got a memory that it's Mrs. Harvey or Mrs. Hardy. She shouted Mm -hmm. down the road, Stuart, stop. So I stopped, like, not sure what's going on. The dog got run over. And that was that. And then the next day I woke up um, and I couldn't walk. And they had no idea what was wrong with me. So they took me to the hospital and, um, and they thought at one point I had polio. And I was in hospital for quite a long time. Wow. And my Legs were in traction and all sorts. And then one day I just got up and walked. It was just the shock. Yeah, so like, you, could, literally
0: could, you literally couldn't, you just woke up one day and just couldn't really walk.
1: Yeah, I just couldn't do it. There was no way. I, I, I don't know whether or not it was, I wouldn't do it, but I couldn't do it. And they did lots of tests on me. And that's what, you know, it turned out to be shock. And so it took me a little while to be able to process it obviously and then once I had processed it I think that that's when I can I can start walking again but yeah it's shock
0: yeah Yeah, it's really interesting how I think um stresses and mental health and traumas can have effects on our body
1: when people say you know how can your thoughts make you physically unwell but if you think Mm -hmm. about butterflies in your stomach yes you're nervous about something yeah. that creates butterflies in your stomach and that's a yeah. physical feeling and that's uh, just yeah. thought so it's proof that your thoughts do have an impact on your body itself and so I always say I always use that as an example of people that say oh you know mind over matter but actually it's not that because no. if your body has a reaction to the way that you think about something it's really important to take notice of it I think
0: and I think it's interesting like you say with the butterflies also it, at times where you're like extremely upset I mean My Nan's Funeral was earlier in the year. So especially then, towards the end, they they played out um, one of her favourite songs. And it just, I just crumbled, absolutely crumbled. And it's like someone stabbed you in the stomach. And you can feel it. Nobody stabbed me. No one has hurt me. But my stomach, it's almost like someone's just got the biggest dagger and just put it in there. And like you say. Anyone who's gone
1: through grief like that, they know. I always say, I, I remember explaining this to my friend, who's unfortunately he's lost his dad now but at the time he hadn't and his sister had died too and we were talking about it and I say for me when somebody dies it's like your head is full of cotton wool it's Mm -hmm. absolutely jam-packed full of cotton wool and you kind of go numb for a little while even though you feel sad and you know empty for some reason you you're able to deal with it because I always remember I remember always remember thinking oh my god if my mum dies if my dad dies I I can't do it I, it's, I'm never going to be able That's to awesome. do it but your body does something to you and it fills itself with cotton wool this is the only way I can explain it for me yeah. it's only my own point of view um and then as time goes on and you've had the funeral then it's like some external being takes one bit of cotton wool and throws it on the floor and allows that amount of grief into your head and so you start to get upset so it comes in waves and so you'll have a little bit of upset then but you've still got the rest of the cotton wool in there and so over time more and more cotton wool gets released Mm -hmm. and so you're able to deal with it a bit more and a bit more and a bit more And by the end of it it's still awful but it's your body's protected you from having that ridiculous amount of grief all at once
0: since i lost my nan i have dipped in and out of counseling here and there again and what what has been explained to me is that actually it will come in waves because as your body allows you to feel it you'll you'll process it when you're ready so you couldn't be more spot on to what how I understood it. When I was at Performing Arts College I actually in my second year had to pick between two options musical theatre or dance as my major. Yeah. Now I don't sing anymore but when I was at school and when I was at college I, I sang a lot and I represented my schools and my colleges I've done a few shows up in London which for someone from where I'm from is quite big because I'm yeah. a long way from London it, where it, I no, am. But, no matter where you're um, from it's big. So halfway through college, I really went through a phase of growing up all at once. I didn't really know who I was. I was dipping in and out of friendship circles that, you know, probably weren't the best for me. And I felt like I was carrying quite a lot of stress, quite a lot of the unknown, quite a lot of trying to fit in. And I was carrying quite a few secrets at that point as well. And what happened at college? Over the space of about two or three weeks, my throat felt like it was closing up. I literally just felt like I was having to really struggle to get my voice out. I almost felt a bit like, you know, the Little Mermaid when her voice is stolen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I just felt like
0: I couldn't hardly talk, let alone sing. Yeah, eating was fine. I could eat fine. Toast all the things that you can't eat when you're poorly. Not a problem. It's just talking. And what actually happened was I'd developed throat nodules. Yeah. And I then couldn't talk for six months. Yeah. So I actually had to quit musical theatre as an option, change on to dance, which actually down the road really did benefit me because I had 10 years as a dance teacher and we performed all over the place and it it actually suited me down to the ground. So, you know, in the long run, it was great. But for those six months, I think if if I'd have had counselling prior to that or had been to some kind of therapy to figure out what was going on, would that have actually happened? Because I've been singing all my life. I know how to That's breathe and know
1: all the but, but can happen over nothing. They can happen if you just have bad technique one day. It can happen. Yeah. So. But the
0: more tension that you have, the more you hold within your body. I think the more stressed you are. You know, your shoulders rise, your necks get stiff. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I start feeling quite um, overwhelmed with the world, you know, things are getting busy, you've got a lot going on. I like my muscles get tenser and tenser and tenser. Take the stress away. Would I have had the nodules? It's what really coming down to. Do you know what I mean? And these
1: impacts. You'll never be be able to learn that, but I'm always a very big believer of what's for you doesn't go by you. So Mm. if it's meant for you, then I think that the nodules maybe were telling you that you should have done the dance one first. I mean, which is odd because you had a brilliant career.
0: It kind of threw me into that line of work because I had no other option and it it just and when I came out of that six months and I'd actually gone through vocal therapy and I'd I'd sort of started opening up to people about how I was feeling and all the things that were going on everything was so much better
1: do you think that having a different mental attitude now as you're older and you're wiser Mm -hmm. it has a good um influence on your grooming that do you find that you still get tense and nervous or do you find the grooming helps with that
0: um I think it depends on the situation if I've got a dog that I really enjoy grooming because of the artistic uh side yeah. of it so if I get standard poodling and you know I know I'm going to have that dog for a good couple of hours once I've got the bath and the prep out of the way because obviously that's the bit that's always the hard you know the
1: yeah.
0: generous part once it's finally dry. <laughs> then I do tend to switch off. I'll have a podcast on in the background and I do feel quite relaxed and quite quite loose and um, quite, you know, chilled out. If I've got a dog that's a little bit more difficult and I've got a customer that wants me to do something that I think, oh God, if you did this, you know, it'd be so much easier. Then I do, I do collect the stress throughout the day.
1: I was asking because a lot of my staff and people that I've taught in the past get in their own heads about yeah. grooming like we did about performing.
0: My dance group that I ran for the 10 years that I did was called Dance Unleashed because I found, especially when I couldn't talk, things got quite difficult because communication's everything. And I actually used to go to college and sit and watch the classes and I would write on a notepad to my friend and pass it backwards and forwards. And you start to learn who your real friends are because they do make the effort to still communicate with you because Absolutely. it's not easy to sit and have a conversation with someone who can't talk. It's really and hard
1: not long... to talk as well, and if you're not, you you know, with nodules, the longer the bed, the longer that you rest, the easier they'll get. Yeah, and uh, you know, to be disciplined and just not react is so yeah. hard. I know loads of people that have had nodules, and they all have the same problem. They tilt, they all talk. So if you and did, it made see, me stop talking.
0: It made me almost scared to use my voice when I got it back, yeah, in a way, I because that. you. You get run down, and I'm one of these people who's always, if I get run down, it goes straight straight to my throat. I'll get a sore throat and I'll get cold. I remember the day that the vocal coach said that I was allowed to sing again, and I was just so happy. I went home, and I'm I'm not a churchgoer, but I know how nice acoustics sound in a church. Oh, and yeah. our church is a proper village church. It's just open. Anyone can walk in there. And um, one of the songs I used to sing when I was younger was Summer of the Rainbow by Eva Cassidy. And I just went into the church by myself and just sung my little heart out. And it just felt absolutely amazing. But it's put me off singing at the end of the day. I don't sing anymore. And when I do, I'm just messing about more than anything. It's sort of, it's one of things it's been, it's done, it's gone. You know, I'm I'm a dance teacher now. Oh no, hang on. I'm a dog dog groomer now.
1: (laughs) Welcome to my life.
0: Okay. So what what I'm thinking to do now, if we just move on to my final questions um, about the industry and about being a dog groomer what um do you find is the most rewarding thing about being a dog groomer
1: first of all I like looking after dogs I, I mm-hmm. want them look the best that I that they can look I love it when an owner is really happy with a result okay and I think that goes back to the whole acting thing because I do like round of yeah. applause I really love that I like helping dogs feel like that feel uncomfortable feel comfortable again I really love overcoming bad behavior in a dog as well so that I can change that dog's opinion of a grooming salon. I really like yeah.
0: it. Yeah, I can see like how your face is lighting up. I can see you totally find pride yeah. in that one. What you're saying about sort of the people-pleasing side of the job definitely goes hand in hand with the performance side of things because it, it just it makes you day, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. The problem is, though, is that because I'm quite a strong person as well and I do give a, a warm side to my customers like i want them to have a nice experience sometimes it can be taken the wrong way okay and can be mistaken for weakness because i'm still a business owner and the dog's still my priority so if an owner uh doesn't accept education because i'll always say you know you need to brush your dog
0: mm-hmm.
1: you'll have the the warning and then and it'll be a smiley warning and then the second time it'll be you know you, you still haven't really brushed your dog you need to brush your dog and then the third time, if that dog comes in matted, then I start to get a little bit annoyed. Not yeah. with them, but I, just the fact that I'm trying to educate you and you're yeah. not listening to what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: can't, because I I don't want to go to work and not like it. No. And I don't run a torture chamber. So no. for me, it's got to be a positive experience for the owner, for my staff, for me, and for the dogs. And when it isn't, it kind of, I don't know, I think that's the bit I don't like about the job is that, trying to explain to owners that we're professionals and that we're skilled and that we we don't just play with dogs all day which is what we hear a lot of the time isn't it yeah it's really important to me I'm really passionate about it
0: is that one of the reasons why you sort of thought to start the spotlight how how did you I suppose you've got so many things going on (laughs) I just wondered what what made you think right this is so vital to do
1: I, as an actor, have a Spotlight membership. So there's a there's a thing called the Actor Spotlight, which you have to have membership of to be able to get jo- jobs now. You'll, you'll pay for a Spotlight listing. Your agent will send that to a casting director and it'll have your photo on it and a listing of the jobs that you've done, your CV. Okay. And that's what you do as an actor. And I just thought a, a creative industry, from one creative industry to the other, it works the same. And I suddenly thought to myself, well, people don't realise that we're unregulated. And so, and I do think that we just play with dogs all day. So I just thought, I thought that maybe we could use the same thing that actors use for groomers, but yeah. they would have to be qualified. So actors can only join the spotlight if they've heard a certain amount of weeks work yeah. as an actor. And so I thought to myself, it'll work the same way. And I just thought, you know, it's really important that because no one's ever asked me to show them my certificate i think we need a way to show people that actually there is, there is a a level there. Of education and there is something there and if it's important to you that your dog groom is qualified then you there is some way you can go to find a dog groomer in your area and that's the only reason but i do know that it's a 50 50 some people hate it some people love it i am all for unqualified experienced groomers mm mm-hmm. I want them to do a fast track qualification to just have that underpinned knowledge so that we can all get on the same page. Whereas unqualified, inexperienced groomers or people that aren't good. Yeah, there's nothing to distinguish between an unqualified, experienced groomer yeah. and an un, and an unqualified, inexperienced groomer. No. The only thing that that makes a difference is that piece of paper that everyone talks about, and so if you are really good and you're unqualified, just do a fast track. It's it doesn't it wouldn't cost you anything, and you'll easily pass it. The ones that won't easily pass it shouldn't be working on their own.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. No, that's completely. all it is,
1: really. And I'm and I'm very very much, you know, into, into uh, encouraging people rather than it. I don't want to. You don't want to exclude anyone; you'd
0: rather encourage them to join join in.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And just if, it, if it, you know, lots of people have said that the groomer spotlight is a money-making scheme, but if it was a money-making scheme, I'd let anyone join. We don't make well, any yeah. money. Well, yeah, no,
0: that's a fair point. <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self about the work that we do?
1: Um, I think as a groomer, there's, there's a few things that really, really spring to mind. The first one is, it's just dog hair. So try not to get too stressed about it because it's just hair. You know, at the end of the day... It's just dog hair. It will grow back. It's yeah. fine. You know, and, and forgive yourself because people can make mistakes. That's okay. You're allowed to make mistakes. I mean, obviously you have to be careful because you don't want anyone to get hurt, but sometimes things happen. And Yeah, you just
0: if you take the ears a bit too short one time, that'll yeah. be back to normal by the time they yeah. come back again in six weeks. It's, Absolutely. You know, and you know, there's gonna thing. be
1: there's gonna be times when you cut a dog or you cut yourself, or whatever, but it's really important just to forgive yourself and to continue on because it's a difficult industry and it's um it's okay to make mistakes. I think that's the most important thing, to respond. So if you get a bad review, I think it's important to own it. If you've made a mistake and that bad review is your fault, I think it's right to apologise. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with doing that publicly because I have. If, if I get a bad review on my website or on Google... And it's my it's my bad. I will absolutely hold my hands up and say I'm so, I'm really sorry that I shouldn't have happened. And you know I'd I'd love to make it up to you, whatever. Yeah. If it isn't your fault, and I think it's really important to stand your ground and back your corner and say actually this is what what ha- is what is happening. It's my salon. That that's how I run my business. It's in my T's and C's, and I'm sorry that you felt that way, but you know I won't apologize for the way I run my business because it's okay for you to have standards and to set standards it's your business and it's important that people um sort, sort of go to, with your to how
0: you do things yeah yeah I think you're right I think short sweet simple to the point you know just a response because I think the worst thing you can do is just not reply because yeah. that doesn't response, do anyone any help
1: it, exactly and people look to see you're never going to have like I, I always look at 100% five-star reviews and think I don't believe it mm-hmm. I always do I would always rather go to someone that's had some real responses and some real uh conversations so that I know what to get and because you can't you don't know how a business is gonna respond to a negative comment until they have a negative comment and, so, and if you've got someone there that is an example I think it just turns it into a, posit- a positive and yeah. it means people understand what to expect
0: I think that's right. And I think as people read through these reviews, even the responses and that, then they're going to make their judgment on how you handle that situation. So I think that's a really good, good um, example. And um, I know with the spotlight, sometimes when things occur on Facebook, and different people have different opinions, um, I know that you like to adopt the reaction of actually speaking directly to the person to resolve your situations why do you think that it's best to do that when you're trying to resolve a situation be it with someone business-wise or even just in your friendship groups or or whatever
1: i think it's because things can get lost in translation online and misinterpreted so uh and also there's definitely a gang mentality in in lots of these kind of Forums, and I will call it out. I just don't. I just don't agree with it. I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's right. Especially if one person saying one thing, and then there's fifty people saying something else, and it's quite. It can get quite a lot. Yeah, and I always find that there's common ground, and okay. I think it's important to find that common ground in a conversation so that we can work together. It's how you learn. It's how the spotlight will get better because I'll listen to someone's negative opinion on the spotlight. And sometimes I go, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And that's actually re- a really valid point. And so that's um,
0: then... that's quite a positive thing to hear you say, because it's actually saying it's not only taking it aside from Facebook to help get your point across, but it's also for you to have a listen and see if the argument is uh, sort of justified in any respect, even if it's not completely something you agree with. Um...
1: Absolutely. And a lot of the time people, people, they like the idea of it, they want it. They re- I think that most of them want understand what it is, but they don't understand what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I think that once we have a conversation, they can hear why it started and why we're doing it and what it's about. We're just trying to protect the industry. Not, We're not trying to expose anyone. We're just trying no. to protect their dinner on the table. Yeah. Because I think it's important that people see us as a skilled worker <laughs> and not someone that's unskilled. Because we do deal with really wriggly dogs and razor-sharp scissors every day, um, it's something that we should be saying to people, don't try it at home.
0: Definitely, yeah. But
1: people do try <laughs> it at home. I mean, COVID showed us that, didn't it? It showed us when, you know, once it was, we were back on, I was fixing so many bad home grooms. Yeah. And we were lucky because, well, we didn't really hear about the dogs that got injured, but there would have been a lot of them. In fact, our vet said it was inundated with cuts
0: home grooming injuries yeah. oh dear blimey so because you've been in the industry um a while what is the biggest and um, would you say the best change that you've seen since you started
1: we room spotlight
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah we'll go with that one what still needs to change
1: i think that um i really love that there is loads and loads of competitions now I think it's really nice to see that yeah I think it's important to have like that's why I think the dream spotlight is such a good change is because it can highlight people that are experts at specific things yes and I think one of the negative things about the change is the amount of tutorial videos on social media from Mm -hmm. people that might not necessarily be doing it right
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's so many out there, of so it, many different... Right. Some of them are really helpful, some of them are just the worst thing you could possibly watch. It's yeah. total minefield, isn't it? But
1: how do you distinguish between what's really, really good and what's really, really bad? It's a bit like an owner not being yeah. able to distinguish who's qualified and who's not, or who's any good, because there are some qualified groomers that are crap, but yeah. at least they've got underpinning knowledge. I think that's what we always sort of come back to. And I love the fact that the industry is becoming... Sort of, it, even though it's bigger, it's becoming smaller because we're all able to talk to each other, yeah,
0: I'm better connected, so, doesn't it? Yeah, it? we are
1: much better connected now. And so, P, once you're in the industry, you sort of know who you want to go to for specific things. But I'm talking about people that are just coming into the industry, it must be a minefield for them because they must be going, well, who do I speak to? Who do I listen to? How do I do yeah, this? Really. Like the spotlight is now that if you need to know something about a breed specialist or uh, if they've joined then they can put it all there and you know I've, I often see people on Facebook looking for a breed specialist in I don't know Brighton or somewhere mm-hmm. Well, no, you can put the postcode in and you can look at the groomers or the people that are in that area and see who's oh if you've got a judge that's judging you at a grooming competition you can look. You want to know what their style is you can research the judge
0: yeah, and if you start a podcast, when it comes to interviewing people in the industry, you can have a little flick through and see exactly. who's been up to what and who's been going where. Yeah, exactly. no, it's very helpful for all sorts of things. But no, I do pass my customers onto the spotlight when they're moving up and down the country, or I'll I'll say, what's your postcode, and we'll go through together. And I say, oh, I yeah. know this person, know this person. And funny enough, actually, um, this week I had a girl, uh, well, a lady ring up about two Airedales who apparently used to come to you at Bethnal Green, oh. and then they went to Tiff. Over at Suffolk, yeah. um, but oh, yeah, they're they're lovely. Those those the air dogs are lovely. So, on the flip side, what about our industry? Do you think impacts our mental health the most?
1: It's hard to say. I think I think that dealing with difficult dogs and trying to get them out of that mindset can really be a strain. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds and noise in an uh, a salon can be yeah. really draining. It can be like doing another ten dogs if you've got a small salon and that dries on all day. And Or a dog's barking constantly. I think that can be really, really difficult, which is why I do, you know, our our appointments are one-in-one-out type thing. Okay. Just so that there's not an overload of dogs in the salon, because I just think sometimes when it's really noisy, it can be absolutely exhausting. I think it's really important as well to work together. If you've got a team, if, I you know, I cannot stand doing Cocker Spaniels. They're my worst breed to groom. I absolutely... I'm crap at it and I'm always saying to my staff I don't really want to do any cock Spaniels and they're like okay and i am coming, and there's a bloody cock Spaniel in my list I'm like that and it does always look nice <laughs> bit, but I just don't like doing them yeah and um so we work as a team and you know if there's something that they don't want to do then I'll we'll swap and we'll oh, yeah. mix it up and you know if they're struggling with the dog there's no judgment it is what it is you know you you have to
0: you, you have, have to be, enjoy what you're doing, do Yeah, you? and you have to
1: be a bit pliable. You have to be able to mould yourself to whatever works best for that's for the salon for that day. And because if you're standing struggling with a dog and you, you know, you're not enjoying your day, it affects the rest of the salon, it affects the customers, it affects the dogs, the other dog's behaviour. It needs to be a nice day.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get that because I think I think things like moods and stress levels and um vibes are very easily passed between a team so it makes sense cool. to help each other out because we've all got breeds that aren't our favorite to do for whatever reason or other I've got to be honest um I went through a phase of really struggling with Cocker Spaniels but I had a lot of the really high energy ones like they just were yeah. you know, patting their feet and wagging the tail and panting and just showing signs of just restlessness and unease and um but now I've actually got a really nice little handful of lovely Cocker Spaniels got a few nice hand strip ones so could you um could you give us an example of a time that you've learned from a mistake?
1: I can do that. But it's a bit of a personal one because I am friends with my the groomers that work for me. Yeah. But I made the mistake of thinking they were my best friends at okay. one point, a long time ago. I had a, it was a different team at the time and um I remember we were at work and I you know I always try and be part of the team even <laughs> though it's my salon and I want them to to like to be with me and they all said we were we were there on a Saturday afternoon and I said we're going out for a drink tonight and they were like oh no no we're not going out for a drink we're not going out for a drink blah, blah blah and so I was like all oh, right no see you later we went home and then someone posted a picture of them all out drinking but without oh, no
0: <laughs> how awful
1: I know and I felt I was really upset about it I can and imagine it, I would have been yeah but it made me realize that I'm the boss yeah and there's, as you've got to remember that sometimes they don't want the boss there and I really really took it hard I, I was mm. very upset by uh, by it but then if you look at it from their point of view they don't want the boss with them all the time and so I think the lesson that I learned was that you know I don't think it was personal I don't no. think it, but I did take it personally and so I think that there's definitely a level of you know a tiny little gap that I keep just for myself yeah I'll always be friends with them, but there's just that little bit of slight distance.
0: I actually think that is that is quite sensible as well. Um, obviously, you know, when you're a team, you do work together like a team. You work together like a family during your work time um, and all of that. But I think sometimes when you are the boss and you, like you say, we're, we're people pleasers by nature. So you want your team to be happy. You want things to work well. You want people to like you. But sometimes you do need to toe the line and that's very hard to do. If it's all matey-matey and it's all give, give, give one side, it's, you know, it's a two-way relationship. And I think in any business it's the same. It's just in dog grooming, I suppose because it's a physical job, we're working with dogs, we're doing our own job sort of separately within the same area. It's easy to forget that actually there is still a structure of, you know, who are the employees, who are the managers, Absolutely. who are the yeah. bosses. It's, it's a typical hierarchy. business frame. I've had situations very similar to that, actually, um, both in grooming and out of grooming, where you're, especially with me, I'm one of these people, oh, would you cover so-and-so shift? She wants to go to, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. Oh, would you, Especially waitressing, you can imagine Saturday yeah. night, Sunday night, Monday night, da, da, da. Yeah. and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And then I remember looking when I was at um, grooming college, actually, because I was still teaching dance. I was working at two pubs. I had shifts at Tesco's. And I was training for grooming as well as doing um, work experience at salon as well, right? So I had things going on left, right and centre, but I was still picking up pub shifts. And my friends come round one night and they said to me, look, Carlo, do you want to go? I think they wanted to go bowling or something, a big group of us. And I said, if you look through my diary, you can find a day off, put it in there. And they turned about eight weeks where I was just like, no space at all, because it was like waitressing, dance, grooming. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um... I can't actually remember where I was going with this but um
1: <laughs> oh it's just a bit busy
0: there's busyness isn't it
1: and, <laughs> and... You're, pe- you're like you say you're people pleasing you're trying and it's that whole like that's
0: it yeah people pleasing that's it you've got people to learn to people say people. no sometimes I'm sure someone was paying attention <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it is really hard but it is definitely a lesson learned and I love my team and I'll do anything for them but there is definitely you do have to understand that they w- might want a night out without the boss and I think that a lot of that that insecurity comes from acting background because when you're acting you're going out together and you're on tour or if you're yeah. away from home you all stick together and you all do it together um but even now if I'm on tour like back in the day I used to have to share a room or something like that but now I won't do that it was no you know, I need to be able to close the door on the day and be yeah. able to have my own space
0: yep de-stress rest and recoup for the next show
1: Absolutely too
0: right oh Oh, well i think that brings us to the end of all the questions that i had set out for you today um was there anything that you wanted to add have i missed anything at all i've
1: loved it thanks carla
0: no thank (laughs) you for coming on i i always enjoy speaking to you and um i think it's going to be a really interesting episode for people to listen to so yeah thank you so much
1: you're very welcome my darling
0: (laughs) yeah thank you very much and goodbye bye There is so much that we can take from that interview. It's clear that Stuart is an extremely busy man, but it was interesting to hear about the ways that he relaxes too. I really must try meditation. There has been so many guests that recommended it now. And after talking to Stuart, it has also made me want to get back in the water and swim. I think exercise or expression of yourself is so important, whether it's drawing, running, singing, going to the gym, playing an instrument... Whatever it is, it's just channeling yourself into something. I think grooming does do that for all of us, especially at the beginning of our career. I'm sure we can all relate to getting in the zone, in the salon or at a competition. But I really think it's important to have something else that takes us away from work completely. As a youngster, I would sing everything out. After my nodules, I used to use dance in the same way. My dance company, as I said, was called Dance Unleashed. Because that is what I would do. That was how I expressed myself. When I couldn't talk or when I didn't want to. If I was happy, I danced. If I was sad, I danced. If I was angry, I danced. I remember dancing into the early hours of the morning, making up routines and just getting stuff out. Since I quit dance and started grooming, to be honest, I just get in the garden. That's where I can switch off and just concentrate on creating something. I'm so thankful that Stuart was happy to share his story about what happened with him and Hoagie. I have heard on many podcasts about people who, like Stuart, have found following a trauma that they have temporarily lost use of a part of their body. I actually have heard of someone even going blind. But I also wonder about the pains that we carry in our necks, our backs, our heads. Is it all muscle pain from our work? Maybe, depending on technique, how strict you are with what you lift what equipment you're using, but also how much of it is tension from being on the go all day and all the little things from both inside and outside of work mounting up, especially as many of us work alone. Surely that's why things like yoga and pilates, tai chi, they all involve clearing the mind as well as actually the physical movement. Who knows how it all works, I certainly am no expert, but I do find the connections very interesting. That's all from me for this week. Next week, I'm talking to Kevin Simpson and Rebecca McFadden from Simpson's Grooming Supplies. Make sure you follow Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast, on Facebook and on your chosen podcast platform. But for now, have a brilliant weekend. Cheerio!